You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, cyber cats, canines, critters, and creatures under all creation. This is Diane West coming at you once again from the greatest city in the world, New York City, with another episode of Pets in the City. Now, I hope you don't think this show stinks, although we are going to be talking about a smelly subject that has been a landmine, sometimes quite literally, for New Yorkers during the past several decades. Can you guess what it is? Think about that during this short break, and I'll be right back to explain. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Spills, pet messes, and dirt are unavoidable, but the stains and odors they cause are not. SpotShot Instant Carpet Stain and Odor Eliminators, non-toxic, environmentally friendly, and biodegradable formula safely and permanently eliminates the toughest carpet spills and stains, even pet messes. Approved by the Carpet and Rug Institute, SpotShot neutralizes odors with powerful dual odor eliminators and utilizes an anti-resoiling agent to protect carpets from future stains. SpotShot products can be found at Walmart, Petco, Lowe's, and your local grocery retailer. For more information, visit SpotShot.com. Get $5 off the admission for the hit movie, Marley and Me. Just go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on the Marley and Me banner for details. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? So did you guess what today's subject is? It's a dirty topic, but we're putting it out there. 
That's right, dog poop. You would not believe, or maybe you would, the debates that has caused here in New York over the past several decades, dog poop. Now, if you don't believe me, just ask Michael Brando, who's author of the book, New York's Poop Scoop Law, Dogs, the Dirt, and Due Process, New Directions in the Human-Animal Bond. It's published by Purdue University Press um, last summer. Just for a little background for those of you who don't live in New York City or who didn't live here in the 70s, um, today, while we have pretty clear cleanup after your dog laws, it was in the 1970s when you, the you-know-what really hit the fan. Lawmakers, animal rights activists, community leaders, they were up in arms about what to do about the poop on the streets. Should they make a law compelling dog owners to pick it up? Or was it someone else's job? Was it the Department of Sanitation's job? Was it God's job? Was it the range job? Who knew? The pooper scooper law did eventually pass, but it continues to be debated to this day. Now, what's really interesting is that this book, yeah, it, it is about dog poop, but it's it kind of serves as a platform of pretty much any quality of life problem in the city. You know, we got a lot of people living together, close together, and how do we do that peacefully? And when should the law get involved? Uh, when we caught up with Michael, he was just coming off of answering three days worth of questions uh, specifically on this topic while he was a guest columnist for the New York Times uh, in the city blog. Let's see what that was like. I could imagine what a week you've been having. It's been pretty intense. Yeah, this New York Times blog, I never knew it would be like this. It's been one of the most fun things I've ever done, but man, it was a full-time job for four days in a row. <laughs> now, fill our listeners in a little bit about what happened. You you were a guest columnist at the New York Times, right? Yeah, for this week for the City Room blog, um, and they printed a few of the answers uh, in yesterday's Times in, in the New York section. And uh, the picture of me and my dog, yeah. The Times actually reviewed the book back in August and then did a podcast, too. But uh, this is the first time I've actually written for them, which is really exciting for me. Now, i got to ask you, this is, I forgive me, this is probably asked of you a thousand times already, but everyone's going to want to know, what possessed you to write a book about particular <laughs> I know. <laughs> I usually draw a blank when somebody asks me that. <laughs> You know, it was seeing how crazy people get over this problem still over the street, even though I think we've solved it here. Mm-hmm. And and then imagining, my God, what were things like before this law? It had to have been chaos. And the more people I, I interviewed and, and the more research I did, I did a lot of research over almost eight years, and uh, learned that this was, turned out one of the top issues of its time. And we've forgotten now, that. Now, you kind of encapsulate right on your cover there, and I love the cover, and, and, and just to describe to our listeners, the, the cover of Michael's book, there's a person with like a very 70s afro and, and bell bottom, <laughs> yeah. so whatever, right, walking down the street, and, and next to him is a sign that says, curb your damn dog. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> fantastic? I see that as an icon for the 70s. I really do that picture. The Humane Society actually let me that. use that. Like, it's one of theirs. I was going to ask you that. Where'd you get that great picture? Yeah, it appeared in Environment Magazine um, with an article um, about the poop scoop law by Alan Beck, who was hired by Ed Koch to actually publicize the law in the 70s. And um, it was out of Bureau of Animal Affairs. And, uh, but that, that picture appeared, and we 
found out the origin of it, it turns out it's the Humane Society, and they let us use it for free, which is great. It's such a great image. I mean, you've got this, you've got the white guy with the fro, right? <laughs> Just about everybody looks like a Black Panther in the 70s. He's walking a dog down a very grim-looking New York sidewalk, and, and you can just imagine muggers waiting in the bushes behind him. <laughs> and someone has taken the time to, to put a ladder up and climb up, climb up and paint over a traffic sign in big letters, curb your damn dog. <laughs> and then they squeeze in a please, like an afterthought, afterwards up top. I'm telling you, I I mean, so now for those of us that were were either too young, I won't say which one I am, but (laughs) don't remember the the 70s or or who haven't been here, just give us a, I mean, I think that picture really says it all, but it is to tell people who might live in other cities it was like here. One word. Foul. Foul? Fall, pretty fall, yeah. I mean, the 70s here were an exciting time. I mean, in a way, they were one of the most creative decades for New York. Um, but they were also a tough time. New York had the highest violent crime rate of any city in the world after Detroit. You had air pollution. You had uh, subways or death traps. Uh, the city nearly went bankrupt. It was a tough time. And I think this one single issue, because of all the other problems, got magnified. I think that, and in fact, I think that has come to symbolize that decade now for people who lived through it. And that was, was that the also infamous decade where uh, Ford to City dropped dead? That was like that uh, New York Post uh, headline? Yeah, in 75, yeah, in fact, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's when Beam was mayor, and he shied away from this idea. He had, his wife actually led a campaign against canine waste, started stalking dog owners in the park. <laughs> <laughs> mayor Beam <laughs> Stalking dog owners in the park? Yeah, she took a mop through a public park and went after dog owners. <laughs> Didn't have a law then, so all you could do was rely on this sort of vigilante tactic. Somebody must have been picking up after their dogs in the in the 70s or or beforehand. I mean, Michael, right? We weren't all slums. Very, very few. The few people I've spoken to and the few quotes I've managed to get... People who did it, everyone else thought they were crazy. It was a very strange thing to do. And we, we forget what a recent custom this is and what what a change it had to take before. People got used to the idea because the mentality was that this is not our responsibility. This is sanitation's business. No one in the world had ever been expected to lower themselves to the pavement and handle dog feces. You just didn't do it. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. It was humiliating to do in public. So there were all sorts of hurdles before this well, where, where law, first of all, get passed, then work. Where did they think it went? Um, a lot of people just assumed to wash down the gutters. Uh, usually, it did often just sit, sat there. It was a relatively new problem, though. That's the thing, at least that magnitude. Um, we had so much dog poop in the 70s because our dog population roughly doubled from the 1960s, and, and that happened because people were getting dogs for protection and for companionship in a, in a harsh urban environment. We, we didn't have enough police to protect us, and that's how it happened. Now, I think that's one thing that, you know, is really a unique perspective that your book offers. I mean, yes, you know, I, I can imagine you've heard every joke in the world about, you know, uh, euphemisms for the word poop. And I have like about that. 30 in the book. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, they're but, wonderful. 
you know, it kind of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it really kind of galvanized, not galvanized, but, but let's say it kind of um, is a, a lightning rod for a lot of what goes on in an urban environment when we do live with each other so closely and we share our space all the time. Um, Absolutely. Something that isn't, you know, a lot of people in the suburbs wouldn't really be getting. Um, so is that kind of yeah. when you would research for the book you were kind of discovering? I tried to write the book from a perspective that would explain to me, because a lot of people, even if they've been to New York, they don't understand that this is an intense sidewalk culture, basically. I mean, people rely on the sidewalks for everything in a way that they don't, and even in most other cities, we don't tend to have cars. We live in very crowded areas, and uh, there's not a lot of space. So it, it became a bigger problem here, and that's one of the reasons why the law worked here first before it did in other cities. Now, now, but getting the law passed, as you point out, was actually uh, not a slam dunk either, um, correct? It took almost 10 years, yeah. It was uh, many leaders, including our local city council, were warned that if they passed this law, they better not seek re-election. And uh, dog owners were, all the animal rights people were against it, all the humane organizations. That's how much the, the mentality has changed. Um, the they didn't want government organizations going are against it? Absolutely. The ASPCA was against it even after it was passed. They were concerned that people would give up their dogs, and some people did, by the way. And that it was just another burden on the taxpayer. Had New York not been in such bad financial shape at that time, I don't think we would have had such a law. We would have probably gone the road of Paris. Paris is uh, a place where you have to learn how to dodge, I, from what I understand. I've never been there, but... Getting better now. I interviewed... I have a, sec- a section in the book called Global Poop, where I talk about efforts around <laughs> the world, and I have pictures of signs in Japan and some wonderful stuff. I interviewed officials all over the world, and Paris is a big part of it. They did pass a law in 2002, but they waited 25 years after ours passed, and it seems to be working remarkably well. Um but a lot of people say it's just in the main tourist areas. You know, when I was looking at your book and I was looking at this subject in general, I mean, as you point out, this isn't, I mean, it is very uniquely New York, but a lot of other cities around the world also deal with it. I was even, is there, um, can you tell our listeners about, I think in Israel, were they actually thinking about putting together a DNA database to, to see whose poop belonged to who? They're actually doing that, and that was listed uh, under the most interesting achievements of the year by the New York Times just last <laughs> week. Um, and, there's, yeah, the BBC covered it a lot, too. That it's um, Texas. I can't remember the complete name of the town. It's outside of Tel Aviv. Yeah, they've actually started this. It's been tried in other cities. Like, I talked to officials in Vienna and Dresden where they also at least discussed it. Mm-hmm. In Vienna, they said, absolutely not. It's going to lead to a police state. You can't have this sort of information on people. And I think, personally, it's a sort of scary, excessive thing, too, because I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, uh, oh, there was a small town outside of London that, that tried it, and, and so far it, it, it had turned out to be too expensive. Or for one reason or another, they didn't do it. But this town outside of uh, Tel Aviv is actually doing it. And uh, I don't know if it's going to work, though, because unless you can have mandatory registration, you know, take a blood test from your dog when, you're, when you license it, um, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to work. Then the city actually has to re- you know, allocate the resources to when they find an offending pile through the DNA test and then track whoever was responsible down. I mean, that, that, do, I mean, do you yeah. see something like that ever happening in New York? 
know, it's crazy. People would be screaming civil liberties. I mean, and, and rightly so. I mean, other cities have tried planning video surveillance cameras, and, and that didn't go over well. Um, in New York, that would not go over well at all. Um, also, it's extremely expensive. I, I think they're going to find that out in Israel, that you know, uh, Dresden pulled back on it because it was just too expensive. Yeah, no, although we do have the poop police now, I think, correct? I think I read something in the Times a few weeks before you were in there. I think that's all just window dressing, and I, I don't believe we even have a problem here anymore. I think government uses that as a diversion. I think they always have. You're not going to catch anyone. Maybe one or two people, so what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Most people are picking up, and these poop police, are, I think, are just a diversion, and they might disappear with budget cuts, so. Now, you know, in Manhattan, you say it, it seems like, you know, at least from what I hear, people are getting the message. But I, I constantly hear from people in the outer boroughs, particularly Queens and, and the Bronx is a big one, not getting it out there that you do need to pick up after the dog. Um, is that I your think experience? it can be a class thing or it can be a sort of uh, up-and-coming neighborhood thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, it definitely is in New York. That, that's where they're focusing now. That's where the, most of the complaints are coming in. Oh, um, and, and not and not so much in Manhattan, no, just pockets. But again, I think that you have that sort of disorder, that sort of disrespect for public property in in hard times, too. That's why you had it in the 70s. And it's becoming an environmental thing, too. I mean, I, I know some of the... I was looking at some of the questions you were answering in the Times, and uh, a lot of people were asking you about it, environmentally friendly ways to deal with the poop, you mm-hmm. know, degradable bags and things like that. So yeah. it's becoming an environmental issue as well. Yeah, originally they thought about the environment but never went anywhere with it, and they never really followed through. So the poop scoop law was only the first step. That, and then nothing else was considered until very recently about, you know, what's happening to all this stuff. It was being basically put into non-biodegradable bags and mummified in landfills where it still is, what generations. And um, one uh, major trendsetter has been San Francisco, which is, is the first city to recycle canine waste now into methane gas. They're doing that in a very organized way. And, uh, you know, Poop bags are made of uh, potato starch. In fact, the city has just uh, outlawed the use of non-biodegradable bags in stores. So, mm-hmm. um, they're so they're always light years ahead of us anyway, I think. <laughs> 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 Their recycling rate is twice of ours. So. All right. Now it's, so just so, you know, and a lot of people might not know. So, Michael, just tell to me as if I didn't know what is happening in uh, San Francisco with the poop. They are picking it up, and, um, well, again, that's the problem. How do you get people to pick it up? But as far as I know, it's working remarkably well. They're bringing it and putting it into special containers, which is brought into the city, where it's brought into the city, and and they're recycling it into methane gas. They're converting canine waste into energy, which is... And, and, and the gas is actually running uh, some electricity turbine somewhere? I imagine they're using it. <laughs> Hopefully, that's part two. Uh, it always comes part back. Part two of number two. Do you think that would go over here in New York? I don't know why it couldn't happen. I mean, I don't think we've ever been that organized with anything, even recycling, but uh, sure. I mean, why couldn't it happen here? 
I mean, it's not that far to a trash can. Yeah, no, and the energy is definitely on people's minds. Um, so, I mean, Michael, when you when you sit back, you know, those very rare moments now, because, I mean, you've kind of become an international sensation with this book and everything. Well, those rare moments when you have a chance to sit back and think about this, what do you say to yourself? Do you say, you know what, this is what I hope people really take from this book? What do you really hope they take home from it? I hope they take home the fact that dog owners, the the vast majority of dog owners are doing what they've been asked to do as concerned as anyone else about having clean, healthy public places. Um, Despite what a few solid pusses are saying, a lot of people are never happy. I think think the most important thing is to be very careful when you criticize them or criticize dogs because they have a tough enough time already. Dogs, especially in New York, look at our shelter system, and we have some. We always get the short end of the stick. I would just say withhold criticism. You know, you're going to have exceptions always, and no law ever works 100%. And uh, certainly not a literal law that can't be be enforced, really. But it should be enforced, really. Well, how are you going to do it? The only way you can do it is encourage an attitude, and I think it has been encouraged in New York. I think, uh, again, there are always going to be exceptions, and maybe in those new up-and-coming areas, we're going to have to get around a little bit better. It works because of peer pressure. So if enough people in a neighborhood think this is what we should do, they can police each other. They seem to police each other in general. You know, they'll they'll say, yeah. oh, "Would you like a bag?" You know, if you, like, they see someone, uh, we don't want our own dogs walking in it. You know, <laughs> of course not. Of course not. No, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I can imagine. So, I guess here's my question for you now: How do you top this book? Um, I'm working on another book about different types of dogs that people get. That's all I can say at this point. It's it's about different breeds of dogs. Okay, but not, not like different breeds of dog poop or, you know, anything like that. <laughs> no, I'm off the scatological stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Although this you, thing has been on me forever. I'm the world specialist now. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm probably going to get a call from whenever there is any kind of question about this. You, you're right. They're going to be like, oh, I'm the guy they're going to call. <laughs> <laughs> You're the eternal Wikipedia source. What a thing to be known for. Yeah. Well, but you know what? Like you said, again, I mean, just to bring it back, you know, full circle, it's really not just about poop. I mean, poop is no. kind of like the manifestation of living in the city, people living in very close quarters, people living in different and trying economic conditions and, and how we show respect for not and as laws. I mean, that's... Right? That's and in the book, it shows that the, by looking at this single, supposedly trivial, unimportant issue, you can you can use this as a lens for so many other things that have happened. I mean, you talk about the environment, you're talking about social change, you're talking about politics. I mean, dogs are central to our culture. They are. I mean, we 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 have almost a cult of dogs now. And and I remember my editor said a few weeks ago, "Well, are you surprised people are interested in the subject? You're talking about the best thing in the world, dogs, and the worst." Mm-hmm. To the us word, I don't know if I can say that on your show. Um. <laughs> poop. Yeah, I think poop is, yeah. is but they can extrapolate it. Um, yeah, no, I, it really is something that, that raises a lot of passions in, in people. And uh, yeah. not just, uh, you said actually your book is um, used kind of also for some urban studies classes as well, right? Yeah, um, 
I can't say for sure which ones yet, but there are some public policy classes that are, are, are going to be using it or, or talking about using it right now. Mm-hmm. It's good for government studies. It's good for environment. It's good for uh, law studies. They have it in, like, I just see um, Yale Law's library just got it. And uh, well, it, it, has so many, it covers so many aspects of so many things. Well, you know, you, you take the word poop, right, and and you replace yeah. it with graffiti or litter or squeegee people, something like that, and and you know, really, you, you kind of getting something that you know annoys people. And how do you go through the yeah. process of getting it changed? You're getting so. a daily aspect of life that people see every day, and no matter how high their principles or what other you know, take the Vietnam War. People at the time were saying this got as much as almost as much attention as it did on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, people mm-hmm. think about what they have to confront daily. That's what concerns them. True, true. Especially when you literally step in it. Yeah, and you don't forget that. <laughs> no, kind of. My aunt Anna used to console me by saying, "Oh, it's good luck." But yeah, no, you know what? I, I think there was even. Public- yeah, the French still say it's good luck, but they don't really mean it. <laughs> Uh, not really. But what is good luck is if you pick up Michael's book. I mean, you really, you're, you're going to. Oh, thank uh, you, dear. And, um, you know, Michael, again, kudos to you. And, and thanks so much. I know you've become the pop, what did I call you? The pop star of poop at this the pop poop star, I think you call it. Poop star. Oh, yeah. Hey, you'll have to, if you use that, you have to remember me. Poop star. I will. But, um, it is, it is, a, it is great book and really uh, it just kind of gives you a snapshot of what life was like here in the 70s it was very gritty and it was really a tough time but you know like new yorkers we we buckled up and we got through it mm-hmm. you know and it's just a really great study in human nature especially urban studies so everyone new yorkers that's trends Exactly. Well, that's what we do. <laughs> so, Michael, thank you so for taking the time to be with us today. Okay, thank you. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. 
Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? You know, I think I could have devoted an hour to this subject, and we still wouldn't have covered it all. And can you imagine if this was a call-in segment? I mud on. Hey, if you have a comment about this subject or any other, don't forget to write me, okay, uh, at diane at petliferadio.com, and I'll see if I can get it on the air for you next time. So, as you know by now, there's never a dull moment here in the city, so here's just a few things that are going on around town. If you happen to be in the Midtown area on uh, Tuesday, the 13th, why don't you swing by the Algonquin Hotel, uh, that's on 45th, between 5th and 6th, around 1130, for the North Shore Animal League's Parade of Much Agrees, uh, Much Agrees, an event to kick off the interesting project where they have animal adoption meets Yale University. It's kind of interesting. Uh, you'll probably be seeing PSAs about that soon. Uh, so you want some more info, visit www.mudagrees.org um, and you'll learn some more about it. Now, if you're in the mood to do some knitting, and I got to tell you, this ain't your mother's crochet circle, join the hot babes at Rational Animals Mother's Comfort Winter Warm Sew-In. You would make cozy cage comforters for cats and dogs who are, you know, waiting for a mom or dad at the New York City Animal Care and Control. Help make their cages a little bit cozier while they're waiting. And it's actually pretty fun. And, of course, it's a nice thing to do for the beasties, especially with the cold weather upon us. So you just meet up with the girls, and there is some boys, too, at Flirt at 303 3rd Avenue between 1st and Carroll Street in Brooklyn. At Dan Brooklyn on Saturday the 24th, um, starts at 12 and ends at 4. Hey, you know what? You may end up doing some flirting of your own at Flirt. So visit rationalanimal.org for more info. And that's www.rational-animal.org. Now, for more events throughout the New York metro area, visit my magazine's website, New York Tales. And that's spelled... N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-T-A-I-L-S dot com and sign up for our newsletter too. Now until next week when we'll hopefully be having a special surprise for you punk rockers out there this is Diane West of Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio giving a shout out to our great sponsors for keeping us going and thanks to my producer Mark Winter for putting up with me every week. Talk to you soon. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.